the starting point is a song, but usually when you approach a new task or a new brief in data visualization, you're either given a story that you want to represent with data, or you're given a data set and then you need to find the story, right? In this case, we didn't have either. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. That's qlik.de slash data stories. It's a new data stories. Hi, Enrico. Hey, Moritz. How are things? Good, good on my side. Very nice. It's a beautiful day here in New York. We just had lots of snow yesterday. And it's one of those amazing days with lots of sun. I love it. (laughs) And it's Friday, so it's just perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And it's another data stories. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes it even better. Yeah. And we have two very special guests uh, with a lovely project. Um, the project is called Auditivis, and we have Miriam Quick and Valentina De Filippo on the show. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hey there. Hi. Welcome on the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for inviting us. Good to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, we said before already, it's a no-brainer. It's such an interesting project. We just <laughs> had to talk about it. So, um, Miriam, can you tell us a bit about you, uh, what you do, what your background is? Yeah, sure. So I am a researcher and a data journalist. Um, I work on information design pieces. So I work with designers a lot. Um, everything from, you know, standard infographics, uh, data visualizations to uh, the more kind of data art end of the spectrum. Um, so um, I've been doing this for about five or six years. And before that, I actually did a PhD in music, in musicology. So that's the kind of background that I brought to this project was both mm-hmm. in data and in information design. So you went full circle, basically. Yeah, yeah. I came back to music after a sort of five or six year break, which is really nice, actually. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I think your profile is so interesting, like being a a researcher specifically for infographics. I don't know anybody else who who has this very, very narrow uh, profile, but I think it makes so much sense and I wish there were more people. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I guess it is quite niche, isn't it? Um, I know maybe two other people who do my job Um, (laughs) and they're both really nice, which is great. Um, But I guess... It's a good niche. Yeah, it is yeah. good news to have. It's really interesting. It's continually interesting. And you learn cool. so much about the world and you get to meet so many interesting people. So I really like doing that. Nice, nice. Valentina, how about you? What's your background? Well, I'm a designer. Um, and then putting a label in front of design is quite hard for me because I feel like I do so many different types of design. But I suppose what uh, summarizes it a bit more is information design. So yeah, I'm an information designer. Come from Italy. I've been living in London for 10 years. I studied product design. Um, I came to London and I actually landed my first job in advertising and I was an art director for about five years. So I worked for ad agencies. And then slowly, um, and not fully aware of it, I ended up working with data. 
Um, well, I kind of did a couple of uh, self-initiated projects that led me to a very nice opportunity a few years ago to actually uh, create a book all with data and infographics. Um, this is the Infographic History of the World, published by HarperCollins in 2013. There was a collaboration between myself and James Ball, a data journalist that used to work for The Guardian, for the data blog. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of cemented my profile into the DataVis community and into the infographic world. So since then, I kind of left the advertising um, a field and I moved towards more like what is um, interaction design based on data or uh, experiential design all around data, uh, editorial design that uh, includes infographics and data visualization. So yeah, many different types of work, but kind of focused around information design and data visualization. Mm-hmm. Nice. And for the project we are discussing today, the two of you teamed up, right? Um, and came up with this uh, really fascinating series of visualizations called AuditiViz. And um Yeah, let, let's try and describe a bit for our listeners what, what uh, the project is about. So from what I gather, it's about David Bowie's uh, song, Space Oddity, very famous song. And um, you produce 10 different uh, visualizations um, highlighting different aspects of the song. So each of them is in the shape of a disc. I think that's the original piece, right? Our yep. engraved uh, uh, plexi records. And um, yeah, each of these discs looks at a different aspect of the song, be it the rhythm or the content or the melody or the harmony probably. And uh, so there's 10 different like lenses through which you can look at the song. And time always starts on top and then goes in a full circle, like the full song is basically once around the clock uh, on, on that record. And yeah, they are very um, minimalistic in style. It's all black and white, monochrome, very like clear shapes, uh, quite a unique style, I would say. Yeah. Did I forget something? Is it correct? We also made posters to go along with the records so mm-hmm. you have the records and then you have the posters which have like a copy of the record on them and then a little bit of a key underneath so you can kind of translate the data visualization into something you can understand uh, and we also made an animation of the song as well which uh, uses elements visual elements of from the records and um, sets them to the music in real time Mm-hmm. So it sounds a bit like you started out saying like, oh, let's visualize that song. And as you worked, it unfolded into something huge, right? Does it? Yeah, exactly. It really ballooned and became this massive yeah. project. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a bit like. And um, I saw it was exhibited like beginning of this year at uh, a London-based uh, agency or the London branch of uh, Wyden and Kennedy. It's a yeah, that's quite, right. quite a famous creative agency. And uh, what was their role? Were they like sponsoring it in some form or were they just like the exhibition venue? Yeah, so Wyden and Kennedy has got this um, kind of window or exhibition space that they use uh, to exhibit internal projects that they do in terms of R&D research, um, kind of like side project that the agency does. But they also sometimes offer the space to artists um, 
And yeah, we pitched the idea to them and um, they were uh, excited about it and uh, they became kind of like our sponsor. We didn't get paid to mm -hmm. do the work, but they, they were super generous and supportive in actually producing the work. Nice, yeah. So we collaborated with um, Genevieve Shepard, the producer, Wyden and Kennedy, um, and she actually ended up being our curator. She really mm -hmm. uh, advised us throughout the process and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, she did a great job. And um, we also collaborated on the animation with a guy called Mike Bronberg of Culture Design and he does a lot of generative animation. So he worked really hard on the code for, for the animation. Very nice. So can you tell us a little bit about why you started the project? What was the initial impetus? So how did it happen? So... We started actually over a year ago. I think we started round about, it was before Christmas 2015, that would have been. And we, we'd been working together um, on a commercial project and we both really got on and we knew that we enjoyed working together. And, and I think we went out for lunch in, in Chinatown, was it? It was. Uh, Valentina took me out for lunch, yeah. which I think I still owe you for. Dumplings and beer. <laughs> yes, There was exactly. a chemistry. <laughs> Perfect mix. <laughs> Dumplings and beer, it's the source of all good ideas. <laughs> so <laughs> we got chatting and we, we realised that we both wanted to work on something to do with music. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd obviously studied music and I'd really felt that I hadn't done uh, very many projects, very many information design projects on music. And I really wanted to to do something that used data from, from music. Um, so actually, as part of my PhD research, I had been analysing recordings of performances by a classical composer called Anton Webern. And I'd been using some particular software to gather the data from recordings on things like timing and intonation. And, and I was quite keen to apply that to other types of music and also to collaborate with somebody who really had some amazing design skills and, and make something that was much more creative. Um, so uh, that was kind of where I was coming from. Um, we did initially, I think we, we discussed working on a book together. Um, and then we quickly realized that we didn't actually want to do a book. We wanted to do something <laughs> that involved um, making data physical in some way. Creating yeah. physical objects out of sound was something that both really in inspired us mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so we weren't quite sure what we were going to do at first. Um, we weren't sure what music we were going to use. And then... David Bowie actually died in early 2016, in January 2016. And then Valentina got in touch with me and was like, why don't we do something about David Bowie? Because we'd, we'd both been <laughs> listening to Bowie's music on loop after he died. You know, it really brought back just what a great songwriter he is. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So th we decided to do something on Bowie. And I guess we knew that we wanted to be quite systematic in our approach. Um, it was going to be, um, I guess we were thinking along the lines of either we do uh, one song, we look at one song in great detail and we take many different approaches um, to that song or many different angles, uh, or we look at many different songs using a particular uh, methodology or uh, mm -hmm. set mm -hmm. of criteria. So eventually we settled on let's just look at one song and let's let's look at it in lots and lots of different ways you know look at the, the melody and the rhythm and the harmony and the lyrics um so yeah then, then we chose space oddity and i think 
probably just because it was one of the most well-known songs and we wanted to have something that people could relate to people something people would be able to when they looked at what we'd made they'd be able to somehow relate it to the the remembered sound that they'd heard um and also because it was you know one of his biggest songs it kind of broke him as an artist um and it's one of his really early really works as well um so yeah that was our initial impetus for the project Mm -hmm. yeah Great. Nice. And so you had the basic concept made sense. Uh, so how did you actually get started? Like, did you like sketch a lot in the beginning or did you gather the data first and then see what you can do with it visually? Did you do a lot of like different experimentations or was the basic direction clear right from the start? Like how did the, the early design process go? Yeah, it was a journey, I would say. Um, first of all, you kind of need to understand where to start because you know the starting point is a song but usually when you approach a new task or a new brief in data visualization you're either given a story that you want to represent with data or you're given a data set and then you need to find the story right that mm -hmm. you want to represent in this case we didn't have either we didn't have a story we didn't <laughs> have the true. data <laughs> we just had a song so we kind of had to find yeah. our own data and our own stories what do you want to visualize of this song and mm -hmm. Well, obviously, there were so many stories that we could possibly visualize. Since the song comes with a very rich um, cultural connections, like from the contextual um, time that it was created. So if you think about it, this is uh, 1969, is the uh, um, first uh, um, moon landing of um, mm -hmm. humans. Uh, so all this like, kind of context, historical context, that is great. Um, is also very closely uh, related to cinema because there is a really strong connection with Kubrick, 2001 Space uh, Oddity, Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And they also informed the, um, the title of the song. So we started to kind of create this kind of like context around the song as well as understand all the different elements that the song uh, had um, narration lyrics uh, repetition of uh, um, of the actual structure the structure itself the instrumentations and and then we kind of like just went into this journey of getting lost into these many layers um, trying to see if there was a way that we could possibly link them all together so we came up with this system where um, everything was kind of connected by the time we thought well if we're gonna break it down in so many different layers how can the user then put these layers together if we have a, con a consistent way to represent time that is actually the five minutes and 20 seconds of the song then you can easily draw connection between one layer and another and see what's going on and perhaps mm -hmm. look at the lyrics and um, what part of um, instruments are playing in what type of uh, in what type of uh, story has been uh, has been told um, throughout? So yeah, that's kind of like the um, uh, the journey that we went through. Um, and obviously, once the data was collected, so let's say we decided to look into instrumentations. Once Miriam actually um, collided all this material into a time into an excel sheet then we had to define how we're going to visualize it so the actual uh, visual language of each data visualization and i wanted to kind of create a cohesive language but keep a diverse look so um i wanted every output to be 
different, you know, to look different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I suppose like the initial research of like all these uh, contexts and the references and inspiration, um, they really gave me this grounded approach of our direction. And this is possibly like um, how I inform all my projects. I try to get inspiration from the material that I'm working with and trying to use that to inform my style or to inform the way that the data visualization is going to look like. So looking at space travel, looking at the moon landing, looking at Kubrick, I started to develop these very minimal, bold, um, a bit maybe, um, I don't know, cinematic uh, look and feel, like black and white, light on the dark mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to refer to space. Um Yeah, and I suppose like giving myself these sort of guidelines and um, quite a stronger direction guided me throughout the process, um, hopefully keeping the outcome consistent in a way. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how you introduce your own constraints, like in, in the absence of external constraints. Yeah. Uh, then as a designer, you, you set your own flag pose and say like, okay, it has to be black and white. Yeah, <laughs> and, I like that. You know, like, uh, yeah, but the... Otherwise, you have no chance in, in tackling such a, like a complex issue. It's right? so broad, you right? To, you need to kind of exactly. like yeah. guide you through the process yeah. and yeah. almost yeah. like write a brief for yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose yeah. also yeah. when we decided that um, the physical output was actually going to be this uh, engraved disc, that really narrowed down even more the options that we had yeah. um, mm -hmm. because we knew that it was going to be concentric. We knew that well, the Uh, he had to be a 12-inch disc. Yeah, so basically... Yeah. But all that also helps in just making a decision, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Then you know, ah, oh, it's 12-inch, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can work with that. <laughs> I can work with that, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, I really like also the fact that you very early on decided to go in-depth with one single song. I, I, I tend to like a lot projects that focus on a very specific thing, but go in... in in depth i think that that's somewhat rare and um, i like it a lot so one thing that i want to touch upon is more on the data generation uh step as you mentioned at the beginning i mean you started the project but you didn't really have have data and, and that's i think another interesting trend some of the best projects out there seems to be projects that don't start with data but start with a very initial very good initial concept or idea that's definitely one of those those cases but in this case generating data is pretty hard i guess so what 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 did you do well um actually most of the data um is was gathered by ear i actually just sat down and i listened to the Ooh. song again oh, and again are you serious um oh yeah <laughs> i'm serious it was based on close listening wow how many hours did you spend on that a really long time um particularly <laughs> for one of the records which i'll talk about in a second but yeah okay, in yeah. general most of the records were actually um just me sitting down and listening to the song or listening to certain passages of the song again and again and writing down the chord structure or writing down you know here are the notes in the melody mm. line um and putting them in a spreadsheet for valentina um We, I did experiment with, with software. You guys need to take a look at the data. 
It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we can share it with you if you like. I think it's it's online actually. Yeah, it's online. It is. Yeah, if you go to our website, which is oddityviz.com, there's a link yes. from there to a public data sheet, so you can go and check out the data for nice. yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Fantastic. We will link it, and maybe people will start to remix it. Even who knows? Yeah, yeah, they might make <laughs> yeah. new things, new visualizations awesome. out yeah. of it. So yeah, I'd say most of it was was pretty manual. Um, a lot, some of it was actually gathered using a, a kind of semi-manual method. So there is a tool that I used a lot um, in my PhD research called Sonic Visualizer, mm -hmm. which is a really good um, kind of open source tool that was developed by the guys at uh, Queen Mary University of London. And it's very good for um, musical analysis. So you can feed an audio track into it. And then one of the things you can do with it is actually extract timing data from performances. Um, and the way that you do that is you play the music and as the music is playing, you tap on a keyboard every time you hear a beat or a bar mm. or a particular mm -hmm. uh, melody note or whatever it is that you're tracking. Um, then you can manually adjust, adjust the taps so that they um, they form like lines on the waveform on the screen until they, mm -hmm. they fit with the waveform image. And also you play them back and the tap occurs at the same time as the bit mm -hmm. of the audio you want to capture. Um, then you ex simply extract that data as a kind of text file. So you have like a, a, a concrete record in data of a particular performance. So if the musician speeds up or slows down, you have that timing data and you can then obviously plot that. So it's a really cool tool. Um, and I use that for uh, the rhythm record, which was the one that looks only at the bass and drums part. And that was particularly um, labor intensive to gather the data for. I think that was probably the most difficult one um, because I had to go through and literally tap every single bass note, every single drum hit in Space Oddity <laughs> and then get all the taps correct and then export the data. So. That, that took quite a few days. Um, and Valentina actually gathered the data for one of the records, which was the, the lyrics record, which has got these word trees showing the grammatical structure of each of the, the lines in the lyrics. And uh, it looks really beautiful. And I'm totally in awe because she studied grammar at school and she can actually do this stuff. And I didn't study <laughs> grammar at school and I can't do it. So it, I think it's fantastic. So is there any good software out there to say automatically extract some information out of a uh, audio track? There, there is, yeah. There is um, plenty of plugins for Sonic Visualizer. Uh, however, mm. I found them to be of variable quality. Too noisy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it actually took less time to just do it myself by ear than yeah, it would have course. used taken to use those, those plugins. And you need to check it anyways, right? So Exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it becomes manual. Um I think there are other tools that you can use. There's one called Melodyne, which I believe is quite powerful. Uh, I don't actually have it, but I think you can use it to extract pitch data from from like polyphonic recordings, so recordings that have got more than one part, and that's quite cool. Mm -hmm. But I haven't actually experimented with that. Nice. Uh, and I guess the, the final record was slightly different because it was actually gathering data from people. So... We, we asked people, we asked 36 like of our friends. We basically just sent an email around to all our friends and said, will you listen to David Bowie's Space Oddity? And here's a chart that you can plot your emotional response to the song on it. So we got them to basically draw a line in pencil or on a PDF or whatever. Um, and then we um, had to somehow get that data 
and and analyze it. Um, and I think we tra- what we do trace the lines, and then we used one of those um, tools, those kind of online tools, to export an image into a data file. Um, then I interpolated some points in R, and then I found the mean, <laughs> the mean <laughs> emotional reading per second. <laughs> so that was about that. as technical as it ever got. <laughs> Yeah, that's a it's kind of a crazy process, but yeah. whatever whatever works. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't want to make it too difficult for people to to actually get, you know gather the data. We wanted to make it as intuitive yeah, yeah, yeah. as possible. Sure. But we did find yeah, yeah. you know it is actually we did it as well. We gathered data from ourselves, and we found it very hard to actually draw an accurate line on a piece of while paper listening. while yeah. listening and get the time yeah. right. Yeah, it's quite difficult. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you have been listening to that song like a hundred or a thousand times, right? Uh, <laughs> You've been studying it quite a bit. Yes, I, I, I some yeah. things you only learned like through that like meditation on the song, like or through that analysis. Are there any new things about the song you unveiled? Uh yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say that I, it is a really, really good start song. And if it hadn't been such a good song, I would have got really bored of it. Um, I did get quite bored of listening to the bass and drums part by itself because that's not as satisfying as listening to the whole song. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, in terms of um, insights, it definitely learned a lot about how it works, uh, about the instrumentation. You know, it's a very, very unusual song. There's an awfully broad number of instruments. You've got a couple of flutes in there. You've got a whole string section. Mm-hmm. You've got the lead guitar and the bass guitar and the drums, as, as usual. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, then you've got um, really quite an unusual structure to it. So it's got um, quite a weird um, verse. Most songs sort of go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, break, chorus, and then fade out. Um, This is not like that at all. It has a very unusual chorus that isn't really a chorus. It sort of goes, here am I singing in a tin can, but it's it's a bit of a letdown moment right at the point where you think you're going to get a chorus. So I really enjoyed delving into the whole uh, structure of it to kind of see why it works as well as it does. So one thing I wanted to ask is, did you, so one thing that happens to me all the time is that I discover a song that I really, really love, but I know that if I listen to it, for too long i'm gonna like it less <laughs> <laughs> there is a decay function there of some sort so i try to balance so do you portion it only like five times a week or yeah it's kind of like no i don't want i mean i love it but i don't want to hear it too too much <laughs> <laughs> did you have anything like that in this case i don't know maybe this happens only to me i actually realized that i never asked that to somebody but this happens <laughs> to me I, there is i i I fall in total love with one song. I keep listening to it for days and then it's just just too much. <laughs> yeah, I get that as well. But I think for me, the relationship with the song changes. So rather than it being about... Um, uh, it becomes more analytical, I think, your relationship yeah, with the music yeah, because you course, start to yeah. pay really close mm-hmm. attention to really sort of small aspects of it and less attention to the overall impression. That's a new level of overthinking a song. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but if it's worth overthinking, then that's time well spent, I think. Yeah, true. For me, it happened while I was actually animating the song. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah so course, yeah. Uh, like the time just spent listening the same two <laughs> seconds. Yeah. While it was rendering, <laughs> it was quite painful. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it was a good thing that we pick actually our favorite song, though. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to ruin your favorite song that way. 
<laughs> so um, another aspect of the project um, I'm curious about is how did you decide on the presentation form, right? So you said you created, in the end, you created posters and these engraved um, discs. So how did you decide on that? I guess the, um, the initial direction was actually to resemble the physical nature of music. So if you think about the way the music is being recorded from, um, I don't know, Edison phonograph to the most recent vinyl, it's always been capturing the data through these uh, engraved grooves, right? On the vinyl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's actually a visualization of the song. If you Yeah. Like, so there's actually right? data. Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. And yeah, was basically yeah. that the starting point of uh, um, creating this set of 10 discs where you don't play them, but you need to decode them visually. So you kind of go into mm -hmm. this uh, um, new sphere of perception that becomes, yeah, more experiential, I suppose, right? Because you listen to the music, but you also see it. Um, and then... So that was kind of like the core um, aspect of the project. And then when we actually were offered the opportunity to do this installation with Wyden and Kennedy, and we were offered the window as well, the uh, gallery space inside, we were like, wow, we've got all this space. We need to fill it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't just that. Can't just be a website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, obviously the, the records uh, by themselves, they're a bit abstract, right? Unless you have the, the key and the legend and all the information to be able to decode and to extract the data yeah. visualization and to read it. They are just abstract mm -hmm. pieces. So we created this poster that um, they keep this uh, uh, cohesive visual language of like, just black and white. So we actually use uh, beautiful white ink printed on uh, black paper um, mm -hmm. for these uh, large-scale prints. And then we also... Um, decided to embark on this uh, uh, quite ambitious thing of creating an animation. So I remember sitting down um, with the rest of the team, so Miriam, uh, probably on Skype, and uh, Wadden uh, and Kennedy, we had Mike Neyman and uh, Genevieve uh, Shepard, and we were brainstorming what this window should have been. And somebody came up with the idea, what if we actually have a projection and the... Um, the records are brought to life and I was like yeah this is great but let's please not go down this route because it means like <laughs> not two weeks worth of work it means two months worth yeah, of work yeah, yeah. but obviously everybody fall in love with the idea of actually seeing the music I mean listening to the music and seeing the visual reacting to the music and right, right. not being a developer myself not being a coder I did try to uh, explore how to use uh, processing in the process of actually creating the data visualization, but I actually got um, quite frustrated by the fact that because I was beginner, I was learning by taking tutorials. So breaking free from the templates was actually quite hard. So what I ended mm. up was just replicating what other people are had already done and I didn't want to do that and like real-time visuals based on music it, there's a huge tradition there right like with all the different iTunes plugins and all the different VJ things yeah and, and there are a lot of things available that's a whole new game right yeah, yeah and there are a lot of plugins and even with processing you can do like great stuff and there are lots of tutorial but it's quite hard to then manipulate the code to actually create your own visualization. And I didn't want the animation just to look like um, 
somebody else's work, you know, but just plugging right. in our data. Um, so I reached out uh, um, to Mike Bronberg, uh, who is an excellent uh, coder. He works with processing um, and um, yeah, we collaborated together we, to, to do this piece. I did part of the animation in After Effects and um, he did all the reacting symbol to the, to the sound of the music um, mm -hmm. in processing. Mm -hmm. And it was a very good um, collaboration. Although on nice. my side, the process of actually learning didn't stop because After Effects was in a, exactly like my preferred tool either. <laughs> I did use it in the past, but in very limited scale. And being an art director, you're kind of like used to create your storyboards and then have a team. They actually execute your vision and they, ex they execute it usually even better than what your vision is. While here I had my vision, I had my beautiful storyboard, but then I didn't have the actual skills to execute it. It was quite challenging and frustrated, but yeah. I took on the challenge and uh, with the support of uh, lots of YouTube um, tutorials, I did manage. <laughs> I think she did a really good job. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we will definitely embed the video uh, in the blog post or link to the website so you can take a look yourself. Judge for yourself, but I also quite like it. So I think you're just being modest. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we should wrap up soon. Um, but one last question, like if you could go back and change something or like what's the thing you learned during the project that you didn't expect would like turn out to be an issue or turn out to be like um, uh, complicated or is there something that also positively surprised you during uh, the project runtime oh uh, i think probably if we were to go back and do it again i would um i think we would probably both try and do a song that was a little bit more obscure so, or was out of copyright because copyright mm -hmm. is an issue when working with music particularly when you're working with music by a major artist like david bowie um and yeah. uk copyright law i mean copyright law everywhere is pretty stringent but in the uk you have sound recordings that are actually protected for 70 years from the end of the year in which the work was first released so david bowie is still well within copyright um but equally you know if you were going to do it, that you would want to go for for a song that you really love, because you are going to be listening to it a lot. So, right. yeah, yeah. So, ah, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess one one avenue that uh, it would have been really cool to have done, but we didn't really have time. But was to create three D printed objects out of the the same data. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. We did. Uh, Valentina looked into into this this option, but we really ran out of time. But it would be nice and to budget. have something that was really and budget. Yes, of course. Uh, that was something that was in three D space. You know, we thought about visualizing um, the waveform. One of the discs looks at the waveform of the eight separate master sure. tracks, and we thought yeah. that would make a really cool three D object with the different. Uh, kind of waveforms as actually textured in space. Yeah, and I think if I have to add on these on the learning of this experience, I think managing the time was a very um, challenging thing, especially being a side project, actually finding the time after work, so in the evenings or blocking a day um, every week was um, was tough, but it was very important. And having a deadline, um, knowing that we wanted to release something for um, the first year anniversary was also very important. Otherwise, this would have, mm -hmm. could have easily uh, been gone on for like two or three years. <laughs> and then you have like 30 discs and 3D prints and <laughs> holograms. Where exactly. do you stop? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and a little space rocket. And, yeah. <laughs> 
No, but that, that's a really good tip. Is like one like oh, I think that's so interesting about this project is that you started like self-initiated, but then by creating this context around it, suddenly that forces you into the, into being productive and on point. Uh, I think that's that's a really yeah a good yeah, tip. Exactly. Here. Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, it was also very important to dive in a new field to learn something new. Um, so learn something new with any uh, personal project that you do, I think is quite important, whether it's a skill or the field that you're actually exploring. Um, and also, um, I think I learned to dare a bit more. So, you know, like we tend to be quite shy and especially, um, with a project like this, if we would have just put it online, um, and we're both not very shouty on our social media, um, it would have probably just uh, hit a dead wall. But mm -hmm. actually having mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity with Wilden and Kennedy, it made it a bigger thing. It, all of a sudden, it became actually a project the blogs picked up yeah. on. So the fact that we actually dared to pitch it to um, this big advertising agency was a really good thing. Smart. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much for coming. I think we need to wrap it up. Uh, but you can follow the project on Twitter, at AuditiViz. On Instagram, you should check out the website. There's loads of documentation. We are still in the process of learning about one new record every week, is it? Yeah, every Roughly? Wednesday yeah. we upload a new description yeah. uh, of the record. I think we're on number good. five at the moment. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of documentation around like the individual pieces, but also the motivation behind the project and, and the video and everything. So lots of stuff and photos from the exhibition and so on. And um, in case you happen to be around Milan uh, early March, I think March, is it 11, 10, 12, something like this? Yeah. Yes. There's a visualized conference. Visualized is a great conference series. Um, you might have seen the Berlin or the New York events. And yeah, Valentina will present the project there. So you could... Um, Please come and say check hi. Check that out. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great opportunity. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. And it's a lovely project. Thanks so much. That's a lovely, lovely project. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Shall we risk playing the song now? Yeah, maybe. Can we do that? Yeah, I Echo? think we should. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, oh, we on. can sing it See? as well. <laughs> yeah. Next time, I bring my guitar. Like ground control to Ukulele. major tone. <laughs> okay, bye bye. Very good. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye, bye, bye guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ground control to major tone. Ground control to major tone. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to major tones. Seven, six, commencing countdown engines on. Two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. Data Stories.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, here are a few ways you can support the show and get in touch with us. First, we have a page on Patreon where you can contribute an amount of your choosing per episode. As you can imagine, we have some costs for running the show and we would love to make it a community-driven project. You can find the page at patreon.com slash datastories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. Just search us in iTunes Store or follow the link in our website. And we also want to give you some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're of course on Twitter at twitter.com slash datastories, but we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash datastoriespodcast, and we also have a newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox, go to our homepage, datastories, and look for the link that you find in the footer. And finally, you can also chat directly with us and other listeners using Slack. Again, you can find a button to sign up at the bottom of our page. And we do love to get in touch with our listeners. So if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know amazing people you want us to invite or projects you want us to talk about, let us know. That's all for now. See you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash datastories. That's q-l-i-k dot d-e slash datastories.